0: Every single day, you have the choice to be the cheaper or the more expensive option. You get to influence which one you are. You get to choose. So if you choose the cheaper option, that's fine, but you can't then complain that you're not getting more expensive clients because they're not in your pool. You're waiting within the kiddie pool and going, well, why is no one talking adult language to me? You need to get out of that, get in the diving pool, dive off the top one and you know make a splash.
1: Welcome back to the Mindset Mastery podcast. Today, we are exploring the mindset around pricing yourself as a creative. This one is for the entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, side hustlers, business owners and creatives of all kinds. If you want to price your skills with confidence, joining me behind the mic to talk about how to stop discounting your worth is the pricing queen, Jasmine Holmes. Jasmine has worked in a number of creative fields before creating easy-as-pie pricing to help other creatives confidently put a dollar value on their services. In this episode, we're going to break down what stops most people from charging more, how to price yourself as a creative, and the mindset around
0: value. Jasmine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I always enjoy a juicy chat about pricing. Excellent. Excellent. So look, to start with, I just want to know all about
1: your brand. You're called The Pricing Queen. So tell me how that all got started.
0: The Pricing Queen was born out of necessity. She was born out of other creatives asking her slash me, I'm having like a third person moment here, (laughs) uh, born out of necessity of of other creatives asking me, how do I price this? How do I charge that? What do I do in this situation? And because I've spent the last 14 years building up my own creative business, which now, and I have to get like really comfortable with saying this, but I currently have a six figure year in year out Business, I now have the skills to be able to help others who were where I was five years ago and be the creative pioneer, I guess, or pricing pioneer that I needed back then. And it's always been really important to me to. When you get to a certain stage, when you get to a certain level or development phase within your career, you always throw the hand back and pull someone through. So that's where the pricing queen came in, to be the authority figure and the person who can help any creative price their worth and price their value and have more confidence in that dollar value. And to clarify, a creative is anyone who solves a problem in a non-traditional way. It doesn't matter if you work with a brush pen or spreadsheets. If you're solving a problem in a non-traditional way, you are creative and that's something to be incredibly valuable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love your your definition of creative there. So where did your business journey start? You had a few different businesses or creative pursuits along the way so I'd love to know a little bit more about your journey up until now where that's awesome you've got this really successful business going for you
0: yeah and it's it's something that I definitely don't take for granted it's something that I'm very thankful and fortunate to to have I like to believe that I was born into this world 32 and a bit years ago with three really key things an entrepreneurial mind a sense of the creative so the uh imagination that had been placed inside my brain, and the gift of the gab. I really do love to talk as much as I like to listen, which is terrible, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, But I started with those three key things. Now, my mum was a really creative person, still is to this day. She, you know, will often FaceTime me and say, oh, I don't know about this watercolor painting that I've done, or she's always pursuing knowledge through creativity. And then my dad is an entrepreneur. He is a butcher and owns butcher shops around Adelaide. And he is always of the mindset of you need to be big enough to serve someone, but small enough to know them. So it was a kind of a um, perfect kind of synergy of creativity and business ownership. And that's what started me off. In high school, I was always the student that was in the design labs until five, six o'clock and the design student, the design teacher was going, come on, go home. I want to go home to my family. Can you please leave? And then I always pursued creative outlets, but with the mentality of how can this be turned into something that someone else wants so that I can get paid. And I really want to like break, one of the key things I want to break down and is one of the Kind of pillars of the pricing queen is to break down and get rid of the guilt that comes from creating wealth from something you love. Yeah. It's just so common, so common. And it's something that I'm really passionate about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I want to dive into that. Like, why is it that we feel that guilt around? pricing something creatively, you know, it's, I experienced this, all of my creative friends experience this. And I think every time you want to step up to the next level in your business, you're faced with it again. So from your experience, why does that happen to all of us?
0: I feel like we almost approached the idea as we need to apply a discount code to check out before we can process the order because we're enjoying what we do. Like it's, yeah. it, we shouldn't be allowed to do that. And I feel like it is, I'm a proud millennial, bit of an elder millennial because I'm 89, but I'm definitely of the generation that was told you can't make money from art. And if you choose the art pathway, you're going to be like ending up like a hippie in the back of a van, like you know, selling paintings for $25. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's just not the truth. Because if yeah. you really look at the current society that we live in, especially in the last couple of years, art, creativity, design, it's been definitely an industry that has been necessary and needed, but has... I like to think that it's starting to get people on board of, oh, this is why this is important. This is why Earth Without Art is eh. It's that constant mentality. And so the key thing here is not that we need to get everyone else to value us. It's that we need to value ourselves first so that we can tell others we are valuable. Yeah. Um, we need to have the self, it's like the kooky, the you must love yourself before you love someone else. But it is, it's literally, you must believe in some believe in yourself and believe in your own value and worth and understand what is intrinsically valuable about you and your mark on the world before you can get anyone else to buy in at all.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think coming from a video background, it's about my business about video production, and trying to find my way through what should I price, and I'd come into it would either be they would expect it to be a lot lower, or that think it's really cheap. And there was where is this middle ground? I think these are where my prices are. And but then it's about well, what kind of clients am I targeting? And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's it's really such a big topic the first part yes believe in yourself and believe in your value of your work and then it comes back to well who are you actually targeting as your ideal market and your ideal
0: client? Absolutely and quite often we're trying to sell caviar to people who want toast you yeah. like <laughs> know yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to think oh, we want to give them this amazing thing and it's incredible and it's this and it's that, and it's valued at this. And they're like, look, I just, I'm just wanting a snack, like calm down. And it also could be that you're trying to target someone who doesn't have the appetite for what you need with the prices to match. And by trying to put all of your energy into that win, you're ignoring the person that would be the easy win. You're ignoring the one who has the money, understands the value willing to pay. And I truly believe this is a very controversial topic. And this is a very controversial statement. But I believe that in this world, there are certain people who have a lot of money who need help spending it because they don't know how. And if you can help them spend that money wisely, logically, with solutions that fit and have value, that's going to be more beneficial to your business, to your self-belief than it is to try and sell the Ferrari to the person who's riding the motorcycle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's about finding that right person to work with you. And that comes back to branding and and branding yourself and really Mm -hmm. thinking about and with your messaging, talking to the person that you really want to target. Whereas if you talk to the whole world and you really dilute your messaging to try and target everyone, then, you know, you're going to find this people that are riding the bike and you're not going to find the person that is really the best fit for your business and what you can create for them.
0: Absolutely. It's that accessibility side of things as well. If you think of your, <laughs> don't even get me started on this rant, but if you think of your like Fiverr and Canva designers, look. Canva designers, I understand where you're coming from. That's fine. We don't expect you to be at a different stage. There's just different stages that you need to place yourself. And if you've chosen to be a Fiverr or Canva designer, you're placing yourself in a specific niche or a specific Mm. use. That's perfectly fine. But understanding that you can't be doing that and charging thousands and thousands of dollars. So you've got to try and decide which one it is. Like, Are you going to position yourself as the... like Every single day you have the choice to be the cheaper or the more expensive option. You get to influence which one you are. You get to choose. So if you choose the cheaper option, that's fine, but you can't then complain that you're not getting more expensive clients, because they're not in your pool. You're waiting within the kiddie pool and going, well, why is no one talking adult language to me? You need to get out of that, get in the diving pool, dive off the top one and you know make a splash. Go, hi, I'm the expensive option. Come back when you're ready. You can aspire to work with me just as I can aspire to work with you. Let's actually hold ourselves to that higher standard so that we can all be standing on the platform together and not undercutting each other to try and get jobs. Just because you think you're the cheaper option doesn't mean you're actually going to get the job.
1: Yeah. 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 And I'd love to share a piece of advice that one of my mentors gave me when I was still finding my feet in pricing. And I was I was charging pretty low. And in saying this, of course, you need to have a decent skill set to be able to mm-hmm. charge what you want to charge. But once you've got that foundation and you do have that skill set, she said to me, look, you can charge this amount because you feel like that's all that your skills are worth. But You look at the rest of the industry and it affects everyone else in the industry too. If you're pricing really low and you are doing a really good job, that makes those clients you're getting and other people think that video is worth less than it is. So Mm -hmm. that really changed my whole outlook on it because this is a high quality skill set and you're getting a result for someone and it does affect how everyone else perceives
0: what your industry is worth. Yeah, completely. Not only just clients, but friends of clients, Mm. other um, creatives, creatives that are coming up in the world that are going, oh, is this all I'm worth? Well, I shouldn't charge more because that person is doing this. Yeah, Very similar to um, something that I share. I've got a masterclass that I shared recently, which is the five pricing mistakes I've made in my creative career. Very cathartic, very embarrassing, very terrifying. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I share in there is the idea that there is someone out there doing exactly what you're doing and making more money. Why can't that person be you? Yeah. Why can't they? It's a a cognitive choice that if you want to charge more, you need to deliver more value. And that might be in your customer service. That might be in your results. That might be in something completely intrinsically different and unique to you because a unique offering is Mm -hmm. valuable. But if you can find your unique flavor and find how to infuse that into the perfect dish, and then find the perfect client to dine on that dish, not only are you going to have a happy client and uh, creative relationship, but you're going to make every other person around you go, like at the restaurant, what are they eating? What have they got that that I should be getting? And then they're going to get a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of FOMO. And then you're having, you're creating a perfect situation or a perfect storm that you can go, hey, this is what this person's uh, enjoying or dining on. Would you like to as well? Perfect example of kind of someone sitting there going, oh, if they're getting like a really good brand and they're making a really good return on investment, and if they're successful because they've worked with this person, well, why can't I? Let me aspire to that so that I can value that and so that I can be working with that creative as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So, with easy as pie pricing, and clients come to you and they go, I don't know where to start. Like, how do I price my creative services? What kind of formula or things do you look at to help that person figure out just what they can be charging for their
0: work? For sure. So, firstly, you need to understand that pricing gets broken down into three kind of key elements. You've got your strategy, your structure, and then the solve, the value of the solution. So I'm going to start with structure. So your structure of your pricing needs to cover your expenses and cover your time and cover cover your like value of skill set. So understanding what the value of your billable dollar, sorry, your billable hour is like your first step. You need to understand what the value of your time is how much time is required for that particular thing and start from there. Then you go on to strategy. So your strategy is looking at your marketing, looking at why you're pricing the way you are. Are you trying to do penetrative marketing or strategy, which means that you're trying to hit right in the middle of the market and be part of the ecosystem? Or are you strategizing to be the expensive option within a pool of cheap options? cool, that's fine for being a strategy, but why are you pricing that way? And are you delivering that? Or you might be trying to do a strategy where like you go really cheap to begin with and then heighten the price over the time. Or like Apple, you start really expensive and then cheapen over the time as the products develop. So your strategy and your structure are two different things. And then you've got the solve. So the value of the solution is got to be a pivotal part of your pricing. So if you look at it from a client's perspective, you try to understand from their perspective in their shoes, what is the value of this if it wasn't a problem? If this wasn't a problem and it could be as simple as if it wasn't a problem that no one knew about our product because we don't have a brochure or we don't have consistent branding or we don't have a website, what is the problem you're solving and what's the value of that? And understanding that kind of value of the solve, the strategy that you are employing, and then the structure of your pricing, you're going to be able to come up with an actual dollar amount per project, per client. Because if you're charging every single one of your clients the same, you are assuming that they are the same client. And they probably aren't. They've probably got wildly different situations. They've probably got different needs. And they've probably got different budgets. So you probably should be looking at, if they've got different budgets, one of them's a corner shop and one of them's a big corporation, they've got different budgets because they've got different value tied to whatever problem you're solving and whatever solution you're coming up with to serve to them on a silver platter.
1: Yeah. And talking about value as well, I think that is another massive point Mm -hmm. around this, the value that the big corporation might put on your product or service with their big budget is going to be totally different to that little person. Should you work on either targeting big business or targeting the the small business or is there room to do both and restructure the, the work that you put into the big client versus the smaller client so that you're still getting the value for your time you're putting into this work?
0: Absolutely. You can definitely diversify. And I'm a massive advocate of diversification of income, not by starting up a sweater label or putting all your stickers on Etsy, especially lately. It's really important that you understand that to be able to fight the feast or famine feeling that a freelancer gets, you need to diversify the way you take in money, the way that you structure your prices and the way that you offer different clients. You can definitely work with the big corporation and the corner shop, understanding that they have different value and different abilities to pay. So for instance, in my business currently, I have different clients in completely different spaces. I have a couple of retainer clients. I have a couple of project-based clients. There's a couple who are hourly-based, mainly because they just need touch-ups and bits and pieces along the way, as well as there's other ones who have maybe subscription-based services. So understanding that because I have then, you know, also got ones on payment plans. So by having a couple of clients who pay the bills with their retainer and you place that retainer for three months on each client and then reassess as you go to the ones who are on, say, payment plans who needed something like a website built, but then are paying it over the next year, it means that you're actually listening to the client of what they can afford. You're not sitting there going, okay pay everything all at once, this is an expensive thing and I'm valuable. You're going, okay, what's going to work for you to be able to get a value product? I won't say do that for every single client and listen to your gut because sometimes things come back to bite you in the butt. But understanding that you can just diversify the way that you take in payments to be able to have that kind of balance between them all and know that, yeah, again, no two clients are the same. So you can approach them all in different ways. You just need to have that strategy structure and solve mentality.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Something else that I'd love to get your opinion on, because when I first went into my business, I would do all the work for the client first and then if they liked it, they would pay for it. And then someone said to me, well, you know, you go to the shop and you get all your groceries and then you pay for them and then you take them home. So why aren't you asking for any money up front? And it was like a slap in the face. Well, you know, <laughs> you're right. Why don't I ask? So, And I think a lot of other creative, I know you know, a lot of my other creative friends do this. It's like you do all the work and then you don't feel like you can ask for anything until the client is happy with what you've already made. So you've already put all the hours into doing that. What is your advice on doing this kind of creative work in this way?
0: If you're doing that right now, stop, stop, please stop. <laughs> um, I truly believe that, yeah, understand that you've made a choice in this situation and it's time to change. This sort of structure is probably going to leave you open to having clients turn around and go, no, I don't want to pay. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and then you're like, great, cool. You're I've not. just wasted all of my time. <laughs> you are not asking the client to pay you. You have a policy and procedure in your business that requires a deposit to commence work. That is a business standard. That is standard within most businesses. There is, you know, some that are you know, pay after, but a lot of the times that's based on product. And if you're a product-based business, you probably have returns policies and all that sort of stuff. You can't really return design. You can't really return time. That's a share moment that I'm just burying back down. Uh, (laughs) But realistically, we're looking at your spending time and effort and energy. They need to understand the cost beforehand. So if you want to do an hourly rate, that's totally fine. You can sit there and say to them, this is my hourly rate. And I am expecting it will take this long, but put contingencies in place and say, well, if it takes longer, this is what the expectation is. These are the reasons why I think it will take this long. And therefore, this is the 50% deposit that I would like you to pay to commence work. Take out the mentality that you're asking for payment. You're actually creating a business transaction. That's totally normal. and. A lot of the time, the reason why this sort of model is absolutely terrifying is because you're entering the arena with the client on opposite ends of what you want. You want to spend more time and get it right and the client wants it done as cheaply and as quickly as possible. So by having this kind of hovering elephant in the room, which has got balloons tied to its belly, it's hovering in there going, how much is this going to cost? Who knows? But if you're sitting there and going, okay, these are the logical reasons why it's going to cost this much, present it to the client and let them choose the the pathway they want to go. And a great way for this is you can put contingencies in place of going, well, I think it's going to cost this much, or I think it's going to be this much time and have this dollar value on it. Or we can do this more or this more and present three options to them and let them choose which one it is. It's called sandwiching the solution. You want them to pick the middle one. You don't want them to pick the cheapest one. So you give it the kind of basic, it's going to solve the problem just, or you go full out and say, you're going to design like a full website for them. You want them to pick that middle solution so that they can feel like they're getting the most value. And that's going to cover your time, effort, energy, and value you're serving.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's fantastic, fantastic way to look at it. And looking at it, it's all a business transaction. And I think that separates it from you doing the work, but it's from a business mindset.
0: You're running a business. You're not running a hobby shop. And if you want to charge as a professional, show up as a professional. Yes. Take the time to understand the problem that you're solving and ask more questions of the client. Mm. Send a professional invoice, Mm. send a professional estimate. They don't know that you're (laughs) working from a little corner in your house and a little nook in the backyard. Just because you don't have a big fancy office doesn't mean you can't charge the big fancy rates because you're charging for value. They're not buying your business, they're buying the solution that your business is providing.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. So say someone has mapped out, okay, this is what I'm going to charge. And they've, they've done all the calculations that we talked about earlier and they look at the number and they go, oh, wow, I can't charge that. That's too much. And you get that kind of imposter syndrome where you get all those feelings come up. How do you take on that and move past that so that you've done an actual calculation and this is what your services are worth? How do you step into being confident to charge that?
0: Sure. You only need one client to say yes. You only need one client to say yes. You don't need thousands of clients to say yes. You only need one because one is going to affirm to you there's at least one person that will pay. Now, as much as we like to think we are all unique snowflakes in the in the breeze, there is so many clients out in this world and so many clients who are repeat clients or you know, they are all going to see value in different ways and you can't assume that no one's going to pay for what you do. There is 100% someone who will value what you do and the dollar amount that you put on it. Now, quite honestly, I have had situations where I have been hired because I'm the more expensive option, but they hired me because I showed passion. If you can show why you are more valuable, it is more likely that the client is going to say yes. Now, let's talk about imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome is like my best friend and my worst enemy. One of those like frenemies that I had in primary school. She'll be all nice to me and give me a necklace, but then she's going to bitch about me behind my back and not come to my birthday party. Now, imposter syndrome is a ankle bracelet. It is an ankle bracelet that is going to start beeping and buzzing and freak you the F out once you step outside your comfort zone. You stepped outside that zone where everything is going to be okay. Now, your imposter syndrome is not telling you to run back. We think that we're going, we think that when it's beeping and buzzing, it's saying, get back in there, get back in there. And it is by trying to say to you, that's where it's safe. But unless we step outside our comfort zone, we're not going to extend our comfort zone. We're not gonna get any further than where we are. And as human beings, as creatives, as business owners and entrepreneurs, we're trying to extend what is comfortable so that it can be more comfortable next time we try. So next time that your imposter syndrome beeps and buzzes and whirs, instead of thinking it's saying, oh, I need to get back to safety, Use it as a beacon of hope to say, hey, I'm trying something new. I'm going to fail at it, and I'm going to have experiences that are going to extend my comfort zone. Use that as the beat. That is going to keep you pushing forward because it means that something new is happening. It means that something is developing. And unless we find comfort outside our comfort zones, we are always going to be charging the same rates. We are always going to be making what we're making today. And I tell you right now, with inflation, with lifestyle changes, with the demands of my Dash Hound, I need to make more money. And so do you. I love that. And I love that saying, use fear as your indicator
1: and move towards the things that scare you because, you know, that's Mm -hmm. kind of telling you that that's probably the right direction to go if you do want to grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me about your business and if someone wants to work with you, what are the different avenues they can do that and what can you help your clients with?
0: Yeah, sure. So when it comes to my design client work, I have A very specific niche of uh, female entrepreneurs that I help build their businesses. But when it comes to anyone, any creative that wants help with pricing, there's a couple of different ways I can help you. So if you're just starting out and trying to work out what dollar figure to put on your time, I have a free pricing calculator for the listeners of the Mindset Mastery podcast. So if you head to easyaspiepricing.com, slash mindset mastery, you can access my pricing calculator. Now this pricing calculator helps you work out that dollar amount by taking your salary, adding in all of your expenses, and I help you step through every single expense that you might have both personal and business, and then helps you work out how many billable hours you can work in a week, a month, a year. So you can actually put the dollar amount on your time. And then you can start building from there and understand that it's not just about the, t- the dollars. It's not about exchanging time for dollars. It's actually accounting for value. The other ways that you can work with me is that I do have a couple of different courses. We've literally just wrapped up the easiest pie pricing coaching course, which I do a 12-week intensive on helping you go from not being sure about different pricing all the way up to having confidence to price your worth. And I literally just had a student graduate who had her first five-figure client before the end of the course, which was amazing. And then if you head to easiestpiepricing.com, there's resources, there's downloads, there's worksheets, and there's all lots of different uh, bits and pieces to help you create your buffet of business. And I also take on uh, -on one-on-one students as well. So if you're ever interested in working with me and wanting to have some help building your pricing, just DM me on Instagram. I am your pricing queen on Instagram and I'm always down for a pricing chat.
1: Amazing. And all of those links are going to be in the show notes below. So make sure you go and check that out at the end of the episode. And just to leave us with one piece of advice, one thing that you really
0: want people to take away from everything that we've talked about. Being told you're too expensive is an opinion, not a fact. I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is our takeaway for the episode. Jasmine, it's been awesome having you on the show today. I'm going to have that takeaway again in our wrap-up just to
0: make sure that everyone's listening. So one more time for the road. (laughs) If you are being told you are too expensive, remember it's an opinion, not a fact. Charge your value, charge your worth, and be confident that you are more valuable than you think
1: you are. I love that. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure to talk with you.
0: (laughs) It's been an absolute thrill. Thank you so much.
1: One more time for the people in the back. Being told you're too expensive is an opinion, not a fact. Charge your value, charge your worth, and be confident that you are more valuable than you think you are. Head down to the link in the show notes to access Jasmine's pricing calculator, as well as find links to her website and socials for more awesome content. If you've been enjoying the show, it would be awesome if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcast app so more people like you can join us on this journey towards Mindset Mastery and head over to our Instagram page at The Mindset Mastery Podcast for more inspiration, conversation, and mindset motivation over there. I can't wait to do it all again with you next week. Until then, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.